are listening to Cold Lake Community Church Podcast. I hope today's message inspires you. Cold Lake Community Church, a place where families come together. Man, God is in a good mood, amen? So, uh, how many people know that uh, my wife is in Jamaica right now? It's a few, only a few people. Okay, so none of you guys know uh, my adopt, our adoption story too, too well. Um, for some of you, that would be new. Um, um, about, five, about five years ago, um, my wife and uh, I, we've been believing God for a child and uh, believing God for family. And uh, we were struggling with uh, infertility. And uh, tonight, just to give you a heads up, I believe we're for uh, fertility miracles tonight. We've seen it. We've seen so many miracles. And, uh, and so we're believing for some miracles tonight. Come on. And, uh, and so we were struggling uh, with fertility. We'd been believing God. If you know my wife, if you ever met my wife, she is like the mom of moms. All she wants to do in life is be a mom. She doesn't want to do anything else. She just wants to be a mom. That's what she was designed for. That's what she was made for. And, uh, and I really believe in the kingdom of God, the highest title of honor is not, is not pastor, is not apostle. Come on, Jesus, you know, like God did not want to be called pastor, apostle, you know, teacher. He wanted to be called Abba. He wanted to be called Father. And so the highest titles of honor in the kingdom of God uh, are, is mother and father. It's not a religion. It's not about position. It is about our identity. And, and, and God is the good father. He is the Abba father. And, and, so, um, and so I've been learning. I've been on this journey discovering how to be a good dad. How, and, and the more I encounter God, the more God shows me how to be a good father. And so um, we, we left everything. We left our comfortable lives. We left, we, we, we went to Jamaica on holidays and we met this, uh, we, we, we had friends there in, in Jamaica as pastors and, um, and, and we believed, they, they were believing God for uh, a miracle. They had been trying to have kids for years. So we prayed for them and uh, weeks later they found out they were pregnant. And so we came back, and a year later, and said, you know what, we're believing God for your, your miracle. And so a, a year later, they said, we have this young girl here who, who cannot manage um, having, having six kids already, a single mom, and still in school, cannot manage another child. And she was considering uh, abortion, but would you come and, and, and father this child? And so we dropped everything. We were pastors at the time. We left uh, our, our, Rita left her comfortable home, her friends, her family, her country that she knew. And we moved to Jamaica and we lived there for a, a year as missionaries. And we've been there since December 2011. We fell in love with this little, uh, little man named Dax, um, which means leader. And our hearts were just totally, we just, this is what we were there for, you know. Like after three months, I remember being there, and, and I hadn't seen anybody saved. I hadn't seen anybody healed. I hadn't, you know, I was used to seeing miracles and, and all this stuff. And I wake up, wake up in the morning, and I'm, I would pace back and forth and pray with, with Dax. So he's just, you know, uh, just one, years old, one year old, and, and I'm praying in, the, in tongues. And, and then all of a sudden, God spoke to me, and he said, TJ, you've been trying so hard to get out of the comfort zone. I'm trying to get you into the comfort zone. 
He says, did you know the Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit is the comforter? You know, sometimes in, my, in my, my comfort zone had become stretching myself, going and prophesying on the streets, going and doing, and God was trying to teach me my identity in just being a son and becoming a dad. He said, God, TJ, the most important thing you can do is become a dad and teach this young man how to follow me, to live righteously, to be a man of God. And all of a sudden, I, re- I realized it wasn't about being, being busy doing good things. It was discovering who I was as a son of God and discovering who my dad was, and discovering how to do family. You know, sometimes in charismatic churches, I think we try to make so much room. We're trying to make so much room for the Holy Spirit to move, like a landing strip for the Holy Spirit. Like, God, we just want the Holy Spirit to move. And we forget sometimes that the Trinity is Father, Son, Holy Spirit. How can we have, how can we have revival without the context of family? Otherwise, it's just a good meeting, it's good, a good moment, so there's some miracles that happen, there's some encounters that happen, but then what happens on Monday? What happens next year? What happens, you know, and I believe God is showing us something, that we can have a revival legacy. We've talked about it lots this week, that, that a wise man stores up treasures, stores up an inheritance for his children's children. Guys, an inheritance isn't just money. I want a spiritual inheritance for my son, an inheritance of revival. And he's a little revivalist, you guys. Every time we go to the grocery store, there's people who beg there in in Jamaica. And and, and so we see people on the streets, and they're begging, and they're believing. You know, they're they're asking for money. And and, and we'd pass this one guy, and he didn't have have a a leg. Like, from the knee down, he was missing his leg. And so he's begging on the street, and my son was like, we need to go pray over him. I love this, five years old, he cannot wait to pray for people. And so we're going to the grocery store, and he says, we need to go and pray for him. And so we go over and to pray for him, and we're going to, and I say, hey, we're, you know, we give him some money, and we bless him and say, but how, how can we pray for, how can we pray for you right now? And my son Dax, like, taps me on the, sh- uh, taps, taps me on the hip, and he says, Dad, his knee, his leg, he needs a new leg. You know, why are you asking him what to pray for? It's obvious. He doesn't have a leg. And he's like, he's wired that way. You know, he believes, well, why God could grow out a leg. You know what I mean? He's seen deaf ears open. He's seen blind eyes open. So he's like that childlike faith. He just believes. Nobody told him the theology of maybe, maybe no, maybe yes, maybe no. In the kingdom of God, it's like lay hands on the sick and they recover. That's all he knows. I believe that's childlike faith. God is teaching us to be children in the kingdom. Sammy already said it, but you know, like God bankrupt heaven. Heaven was bankrupt so that you could come into family. So that you could come into family. We're going to believe God for family revival. This is a year for family revival. We've seen so many miracles. We were just in Seattle a couple weeks ago. And uh, we, we, um, it was amazing. God was moving in the meetings. But after the meeting, the children's pastors came up. Um, upstairs, and I instantly, God highlighted them to me, uh, children's pastors, right? God instantly highlighted them to me, and I said, have you guys been believing for, for children? And they, they, started to, they started to weep, and God was just touching them. They said, for 10 years, we have been believing God for a child. For 10 years. And imagine that, you guys. They've been praying, they've been believing, they've been trying every tre- treatment that they could, be- that they could try, and for 10 years that they had been believing God for, and I said, and they said, we've been trying adoption, but are on this long waiting list, and we don't know if we'll ever get a call. 
And for 10 years, they've been believing. And so we took each other's hands right there, and we said, God, we believe that your, your promise is that a righteous man will have sons and daughters around his table. And we stand in faith right now for a family and the desires of their heart to be a father and a mother. We just believe right now. And so um, a, a, two days later, the pastor gets a call that they, they said, we're at the hospital. We have our brand new baby boy. Two days, within 48 hours, God answered their prayer. Can you guys imagine after 10 years of believing God for family, that in a moment when somebody would say, hey, I'm going to agree with you, I'm going to come and agree with you, the prayer of agreement is so powerful, you guys, and especially when it lines up to heaven, especially when it lines up to heaven. And so I was in a meeting um, a few I was in a meeting uh, two years ago, uh, and there was a man named Sean Bowles. Does anybody know Sean, who Sean Bowles is? Come on. He's, he's, uh, he wrote this book called Translating God. It's a powerful book on just hearing God's voice. And uh, he's in the meeting, guys, and he's getting people's names and phone numbers, like detailed descriptions about these people because, you know, God just loves people, and he knows everything about these people. And so I'm sitting in the front row, and he says, is there a Rita in the room? And, um, and my wife's name is Rita. Were you there? You were there. There was a, were you there? Yeah. Was, I know Andrew House was there, too. Crazy. So the, and, and so I said, well, that's my wife's name. But there was about two, there was two other Ritas in the room, so they, they stood up. And, and then he said, uh, what, what does May, 11, May 30th mean to you? And I said, well, that's my wife's birthday, May 30th. And he says, what about May 11th? Does that mean anything to you? I'm like, well, that's my birthday, May 11th. He says, what about August 21st? Does that mean anything to you? I was like, well, that's our anniversary. And at this time, I knew it was God because I just remembered all the dates. <laughs> I, I, I never remember the dates. I mean, Rita reminds me of all the dates. She reminds me what day it is constantly. You know, I forget these details. You know, I don't have time for these things, right? And so she, by this time, I'm just start to weep because it meant so much to me that he didn't even call out my name. He called out my wife's name, who's there in Jamaica, away from her family, on the front lines, battling, you know, to become a mom, battling to become family, fighting for this, for our, for our son. And... Uh, and so, and then he says, I see that there's been some, uh, I see a, 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 a small boy on an island. He says, does Daxi mean anything to you? I was like, yes, that's our son's name. I see uh, um, that the reason you were born, because I got your birthdays, and the reason you were married was for the ministry of adoption. And he said, he said, I see that you've been going through an adoption process. On, is it Jamaica? And he, he even called out the, the, the name of the island. He's like, is it Jamaica? He says, I see there's been some weird stuff with the paperwork. There's paperwork that's gone missing. And he literally was calling out all the corruption and everything that we were going through in this battle. And then he said, uh, he said I see the hand of humanity on your adoption case, but it's losing its grip and your, event, your, your, your family is going to be restored to you in Canada. And your story is going to be a testimony to a community that adoption is always worth it no matter what the cost. Come on, you guys. <laughs> adoption is always worth it no matter what the cost. 
Like we had given up everything for this. And in that moment, I tell you what, that prophetic word, I, don't, I can't tell you how many times we've gone back to that word over and over again because God knew our story, God knew our situation, and he knew exactly what we were going through. And if God called us to do this, then he was going to see us through no matter what. Well, I'll tell you what, guys, two months ago, I was in Jamaica at the Supreme Court of Jamaica. Our case had gone through so much corruption, had gone through so many cases. We were at the Supreme Court of Jamaica, and the judge sided with us, you guys. This, this changes the laws in J- Jamaica. This sets a precedence that ad- adoption is good in Jamaica. Did you know Jamaica is like an island? There's so many orphanages in, in Jamaica. And, and, and I believe this broke through so that many, many, many children who are stuck in orphanage, the orphanage system and stuck as part of the economy instead of belonging to a, a mom and a dad. Every child deserves a mom and a dad. Amen. Every child deserves, I heard the statistic that if every church would adopt one child, there would be no orphans in North America. Guys, true religion that is pure and faultless, according to the word of God, is to take care of the widows and the orphans. We just need to do the word of God. This is, this is so exciting because this is so possible. That every church, you know, sometimes the, the cost of adoption can be a- astronomical. But if every church said, hey, we believe that we can, we can see every orphan have a mom and a dad. Because every child deserves a mom and a dad. Amen. And so God, I believe God wants to give us an upgrade on our, 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 our love and how we articulate love. We cannot... We cannot um, communicate love to the world unless we've experienced the love of God, amen? You can't give away something that you have not received. And so I believe tonight that God wants to, um, God wants to increase our capacity to love. Because there was a moment where Jamaica said, kick this out of the country. We were, we were leaving on a plane, and they said, you cannot adopt this child. You have to leave. We got on a plane. We were leaving on the plane, and I remember my heart breaking because it was an Abraham moment, you guys. We were having to give our son back, and, and we didn't know what was going to happen to him. We didn't know what was get, where he was going to end up, and this was our son that we had given up everything for. Some people say, well, why don't you just come back to Canada and finish the adoption here? Can you imagine leaving your child in another, in another country? No, we could And so we were there leaving on the plane, and they said, they said, you cannot adopt this child. And I remember being on the plane and my heart breaking. You know, sometimes God takes us to places of suffering, not for us to suffer, but for us to bring the cure to suffering, for us to hug suffering until it's gone. Because Jesus is the answer to suffering. He's the answer to brokenness. And so in the middle of my heart breaking, I felt God. I felt God right there beside me on the plane while I was brokenhearted, while I couldn't, while I couldn't, you know, I, I was just, it was like, God, why would you bring us all the way to Jamaica and do all of this stuff in our life? And then, and then we're losing our son. And right there, I felt God give me the champion heart of God. I felt like God, sometimes our heart needs to break so that God can give us a bigger heart because we cannot love to the capacity that God requires us to love. And so we receive those breaking moments. Either they make us bitter or we can run to God and he can make us better. Amen. And he gives us the agape love that loves without condition. 
And so God wants to give us an upgrade on our love language, amen? You know, I talked about love language, and uh, um, God has many ways of showing his love. God is love. Um, It's who he is, and his banner over you is love. Did you know if you walk in love all day today, you can't walk in sin? Man, that'll set some people free right now. Christianity isn't a sin management program. If we walk in love all day today, it's impossible to walk in sin because they're two different different kingdoms. Because God is love. And so it's not about trying not to sin. It's about falling in love with him all over again. Because when you're running towards love, you're running away from sin. You're running away. See, see, Daniel was, uh, uh, Joseph was in love with God, and so he ran away from temptation. Do you get that, you guys? It wasn't about just trying hard not to sin. It's just about falling in love. Because it's, it's not a religion. It's not a list of do's and don'ts. It's a relationship. It's a romance. And we're invited into this divine romance. The, perf- the perfect record, the, or the first record of community, you guys, was Father, Son, Holy Spirit. It was the Trinity. It's this perfect relationship that people still don't understand. They still debate about it. But it, this relationship, you and I, were invited into. We were invited into the perfect union, you guys. We were invited into perfect relationship. Whoa. So I believe, you know, one, one of the love languages of healing or, 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 or love languages of heaven is healing and miracles. When God loves you so much, it's physical touch. The love language, right? The five love languages, touch. When God touches your body and he heals your body, that's one of the ways. I love that because you can't deny that just happened. You, know, you pray for somebody and they feel warm. They feel the love of God. And all of a sudden, their knee works. All of a sudden, that, that's the love of God, you guys. Jesus was moved by compassion. So one of the other love languages of heaven is, is words of affirmation. How many got a prophetic word today, you guys? Wasn't that awesome? Did you feel the love of God when you got that? I remember I was like weeping over people. While I saw people getting prayed for and getting blessed. I saw the love of God coming on people. And guys, the thing about the church is we're not just called to be consumers. We're called to be givers, Amen. And so we're not just called to receive it. If we receive it, freely we've been given, so freely we receive, so freely we give. And so I really believe the deposit in you this afternoon was so that you can spread the fire of God's love everywhere you go. God is looking for opportunities. You know, when um, when I was really young, I didn't understand English, you guys. Did you know that? When I was a baby, I didn't understand English, but when I was in my mother's room, I believe I recognized my mother's voice. I recognized my father's voice. So prophecy is Christianity 101. It's just starting to recognize God's voice. And when you're young in the Lord, sometimes maybe you don't get a whole sentence, but I bet you'll start to recognize words here and there. Like when I was a kid, food was a good one, right? I recognize that word. I like that word. But when you hear your father speaking, you start to recognize the way he speaks. And, and, and as you grow in your language, um, this, is Christi- this is Christianity. As we're young, we start to grow in our language. We, only, we start to hear what our fathers say and we repeat. Jesus said, I only say what I hear my father saying. So, so prophecy is just hearing God's voice and hearing how he loves other people. And, and seeing the gold in other people. When I was really young in the Lord, uh, 
or really young in the prophetic, and I think I'll always be young in the prophetic because it would be kind of strange if I went around bragging that I was really good at hearing dad's voice, right? You know, like that's kind of funny. It's just, it's, actually, it's just natural. I love to demystify the prophetic. It's not just for the elite. It's not just for the prophet because the devil would love to say, oh, you're not holy enough or you're not equipped enough or, you know, you're, you're not um, mature enough. No, we can all hear God's voice, you guys. We can all hear our Heavenly Father's voice. In fact, before you were even a Christian, I bet you heard God's voice, even if you didn't recognize it. Isn't that awesome? And so when, I was, when we were young in, in the prophetic, we, we did this thing called um, a treasure hunt. Has anybody heard of a treasure hunt? Put up your hand. Have you heard of this treasure hunt thing? Okay, so this is a, these are a prophetic game that would believe that God has treasures in the earth and that he wants to give us clues so that we can go and find them. Isn't that beautiful, you guys? That God really, really loves people, and people are so valuable, and there's treasures in the earth, and he wants us to go and find them. And he wants to give us clues. Did you know, we, believe it or not, we're on an everlasting treasure hunt. Like, God is looking for people everywhere we go. When we go to the grocery store, when we go to the bank, when we're at school, when we're at, when we're at wherever we are, God is looking, how can I love somebody through my son, through my daughter? How can I minister to somebody? We are a living, breathing, you know, embassy of heaven. And when people run into you, the law of sin and sickness and death, it doesn't have to apply anymore because we're the living, breathing embassy of heaven. Have you seen that a movie where some people are running into the embassy and, and because of Sharia law, they could be stoned and there's a mob after them to kill them. But because they run into this embassy, they're safe because now they're under the law of a different country. Guys, we're from a different country. We're under a different law, which is the law of love. And heaven is our culture, amen? We need, to, we need to bring heaven everywhere we go. The atmosphere, we're, we're a living, breathing embassy of heaven. And so we're on this treasure hunt, and we spent some time asking God, God, um, what are the treasures that you would like us to find today? And give us clues. And so I got three clues, you guys. I got these three clues. I got these strange clues. One of them was toy. And another one was uh, tattoo. And, and the third one was dolphin. And so, and so I, I, was, I, I didn't know what to do, and so I did what any good Christian would do when they don't know where to go. I went to Walmart, all right, because there's all kinds of people there. And so I went, I was like, okay, I'm going to go to the toy section in Walmart, and I'm going to look for maybe a dolphin toy. Maybe there's somebody looking for a dolphin toy that has a tattoo, or, or maybe somebody will have a dolphin tattoo in the toy section. I didn't know. I just tried it. And so we're there in the, the, toy, in the toy section. We're looking around. Nobody else is there. But as we were leaving the toy section, we saw this lady who was, about, who was old enough to be my, uh, uh, like my mother. I, I think she was probably in her 60s. But she had tattoos all over her hands, her arms, her neck. Like, you don't see that every day, right? I was like, wow, this is a cool grandma. Like, <laughs> come on. And so I come out of the toy section. I said, that's two out of three. We're in the toy section, and she's got some tattoos, right? So I'll take it, right? Two out of three. So we went over to her, and we said, hey, we're on a treasure hunt, and we think you might be it. Isn't that a great conversation opener, you guys? Imagine people in the mall, and it's like, hey, we're on a treasure hunt, and we think you might be it. Perfect way to start a conversation. 
And, and so she, her jaw drops open, and, and, and she yells at us. Or we, we, we said, here are the clues. We, we have a uh, um, toy, and we're in the toy section here. And um, we have tattoo, and I see that you have a lot of them. And, and then we have uh, dolphin. Does that mean anything to you? And she screamed at me, you found me. And so I was just like taken back. I stepped back, and I said, what do you mean we found you? She says, yeah, my name is Dolphin. And she was this precious, uh, you know, like First Nations lady that, that uh, she, she had that cool animal name, you know, like Dolphin. And she said, you know what, I, I, that was her last name. And, and she said, you know what, I don't really believe in God. But um, this morning I wake up, I woke up feeling so heavy and so oppressed so heavy and depressed, and I just felt like, God, if you're real, send someone to pray for me. And so there's these nervous teenagers in Walmart that God sent on assignments to love on this precious woman. And so she said, I'm starting to feel warm. I'm starting to feel tingly all over. I said, that's just the Holy Spirit. I'll tell you what, it gets really quiet when you do an altar call in aisle three in Walmart, you guys. It started attracting a crowd. There's people coming, and they're, and they're like, what's going on? But she was encountering God. Have you ever been praying for somebody who felt like God's power and God's presence so strongly? You didn't care what anybody thought. And it was like just the, it was like this portal, this like waterfall, an open heaven over this lady. And we could see that there was people around, and it was kind of causing a, a scene. But it's okay when God causes a scene, amen? We didn't care because guess what? Perfect love casts out all fear. And we got over our insecurity of like, what if we get it wrong? What if we, you know, mess up? What if we make a mistake? Because what if somebody gets loved? Because God is love and he is desperate to love somebody. I remember being, you know, I remember being in, uh, in, in, in Vancouver before we went to Seattle. We were coming out of this um, we were coming out of this uh, 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 conference, and everybody was a little bit tipsy, a little bit drunk. We had just done a fire tunnel, you guys, and so people are a little wobbly as they're walking out of this place. And there was a cowboy bar right beside Vancouver Revival Center. And so there's this cowboy bar lined up with all these. There's no cowboys in Vancouver, guys, just a heads up. But people dress up as cowboys, you know, like... You know, to go to this bar. <laughs> you know, the mini skirts, cowboy hats, and they're dressed up like cow and to go to this bar. And, and we're leaving church, and it's perfect timing because the whole conference was spread the fire of God. And so we come out of this conference, and people start seeing all these. And they can't get in the bar because they're waiting to be, you know, checked. you got to go through a security check. So there's this long lineup. And, and all these people coming out of the bar, they start zooming in on all these people lined up. Or out of church, we start zooming in. All these people lined up to go into the bar. And all of a sudden, people are giving words, like accurate words of love. And people are getting touched in, in lines, ready to go into the bar. People are getting healed. There's like three or four people who are encountering God because these crazy, you know, Christians are coming over and pray, praying for them. And all of a sudden, you see these people weeping in line up to get into the bar because God is encountering them. And we're just watching this happen, and we think, this is great. So, us and a few of the pastors, we're not even doing anything. We're just watching the chaos, right? We're just watching the excitement. And so we go to Boston Pizza, and we're like, okay, we're going to get a word for our waitress. 
And so we're, we're sitting there at, at the table. And so the waitress comes up to the table and, and we say, uh, the first pastor, he says, you know, does this, I, I feel like there's a lot of creativity around you. And does this make any sense? And he just starts, you know, um, trying to give her a prophetic word. And she says, she looks at him, she says, no, that doesn't make any sense at all. And so, and so she goes away, and the, the first pastor feels a little deflated, like, oh, my goodness, like, we really dropped the ball on that one, right? And so the second, the second pastor's like, okay, I'm going to get a word. I got a word for her. So she comes back with the Cokes, right? And so, she, and so the second pastor says, do you know what? I feel like there's something with your family, and, and you know, is, is there something going on with your family? And um, uh, there may be some breaks in relationships, and she says, no, we're, we're great. We're good. You know, like, so he's like, none of that made any sense. And she's like, she's like, no, none of that made any sense at all. And so she walks away and we're like, oh my goodness. Like, you know, like three strikes were out. Should we try it a third time? You know, like, and so she comes back again. And the funny thing is she wasn't scared off. She actually wanted, it's, you, you can see that she was spending more time around her table. She was like, what are these interesting people doing? They're trying to, you know, tell me stuff about myself and they don't know anything, but... <laughs> And so she comes a third time, and I remember, like, trying to give her some word, and she's like, I think she, at this point, she was trying to be polite. She's like, well, maybe that makes some sense. I'm not sure, you know. Like she, maybe she's just felt bad for us at this point, right? And then, and then all of a sudden, we're like, do you know Jesus? And she said, no, tell me more. So she sat down. And we just began to love on her and just simply tell her about the love of God and tell her about Jesus. See, even in our failure to get a good prophetic word, the reality was people just want to be loved. So I got over my fear of like, what if I don't get a perfect, you know, prophetic word? And I just start, you know, God's, the, the love language of heaven is prophecy. I believe that heaven has an accent and it sounds like love. It's dripping with love. Everything that I say, you guys, I want it to be dripping with the accent of my heavenly father. And sometimes I hear prophetic words, and guess what? Sometimes I don't always recognize the accent. And it can be these well, like, respected and dignified prophetic voices. Sometimes I think that we mistake a prophet for a weatherman. And this is somebody that sees a storm coming on the horizon. And, oh, America is in for this. And Canada is in for this. And there's going to be a recession. Well, guess what? Seeing the negative, seeing what the enemy is doing, guys, that's not prophetic. That's pathetic. Come on. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, psychics can read the weather. You know, that they can tell what the enemy is doing. But it takes, Jesus is our prototype for the prophetic, you guys. Jesus stood up in the boat. He saw the storm coming, and he didn't have to prophesy to the disciples, guys, there's a storm coming. We need to repent. We need, no, he said, no, he said, peace, peace. He said, shalom, shalom to the storm. I believe we need prophetic voices that will see the storms coming, but will run to the places of chaos, will run to the places where there's judgment and where there's darkness, and will prophesy the opposite. We'll prophesy the love of God. Amen? See, in the Old Testament, Elijah, Jonah's job, the Old Testament prophetic, their job was to go to towns where there had been idolatry and people had forgotten about God and they were worshiping other idols. And they were, their, their job was to say, hey, guys, you guys are doing it wrong. There's going to be famine in the land. There's going to be a curse that comes upon the land. You know, there's, there's, there's consequences to our sin, you guys. That was the Old Testament. That was the job 
of the prophetic. You, you, you know this, right? And I think sometimes there's this old covenant perspective that we'll try to hide in the New Testament church. Because we see the old prototype, but remember Jesus at the well. You could see all the negative. You don't have to prophesy all that stuff. But he said, you know what? You're going to worship me in spirit and in truth. And in a place where women were, were supposed to get in the ditch and hold their head down so the disciples could walk by and find the food for Jesus, and they missed the woman that Jesus actually came to encounter, you know, in that place, that woman went back to her town and said, could this be the Messiah who told me everything about my life? Could he be the one? And Jesus had to go into extended meetings in a pagan town that he wasn't even supposed to be at. And this woman became one of the greatest New Testament revivalists, you guys, evangelists. They went into extended meetings in a place where he wasn't even supposed to be going. Jesus loved ministering to the women and giving women platform in a place where that culture would, would say, you know, you're less, you're not as valuable. You need to get in the dirt, ditch, cover your face. That was part of their culture because you wouldn't want to become a, a stumbling block to someone. Instead, Jesus gave her platform to, for ministry. He prophesied the opposite where, where she had been abandoned. But, you know, in, in Hebrew culture, it, was, it wasn't, a woman could not leave a husband. The husband left the woman. And so it wasn't that she was just maybe a loose woman. It was maybe that she had been rejected by five men, and finally she met the man who would not reject her, Jesus Christ, the Messiah, who saw the gold in her, you guys. And he brought the gold out. Prophecy, you guys, is to see past all the stuff and to see the gold in someone and draw out the God potential, to draw out the God potential in you. Guys, we need to prophesy to our marriages. We need to prophesy to our husbands. We need to prophesy to our children. We need to prophesy to Cold Lake, amen? And we need to see how God sees Cold Lake. The God potential in this city is astronomical, you guys. The God potential in your marriage for family revival, revival in your marriage, to have a home that's so on fire that, you know, like the, in Acts, it says from house to house, people burned from house to house, and they couldn't stop it. The, the Roman Empire, who had conquered the entire world, could not stop the fire that was spreading from house to house, you guys. Wow. So God wants revival in your marriage. He wants revival in your family. I want to I read this. Uh, this one verse, uh, we probably should read the Bible, hey, just so. <laughs> wow. You know, it says here, um, it, it says here in Malachi, in chapter 4 and verse 5, you know, we see Elijah in the Old Testament, but guys, guess what? Did you know that he, he came again in the last days, in the new covenant, that Elijah comes again? In the Old Testament, he's saying there's going to be famine, he shuts up the clouds, but he comes again in the New Testament, in the New Covenant, Malachi chapter 4 and verse 5. It says, Behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the coming of the great and awesome day of the Lord. And he will turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the hearts of the children to the fathers. So the job of the prophetic in the New Testament church is to call people to adoption, you guys. Is to call people to family. Can we stand up? Zane, could we... Uh have some anointed uh, heavenly music. Is that okay? 
Thank you. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. Do you know what? I'm feeling fired up today because, whew, because God wants to speak into people's marriages. He wants to speak. You know what? I love coming to these gatherings because the potential for what God can do in meetings like this is amazing. And if you guys look through all the answered prayers that God has done in your life, you guys would probably have a big book. A big book, you guys. If you could remember every single one of the answered prayer that God has gotten you to this point, he's not going to leave you now. See, the Israelites, sometimes they were forgetful people, and so they do things like build altars so they could remember the encounter they had with God. We're forgetful people. That's why David said, sing songs like, forget not all his benefits. Because God has done so much to get you to this point, and he's not about to leave you now. He's not about to leave your family now. And my heart right now, I can just, you know, I, I have so much compassion right now. I just feel God's compassion for people here. Because there's people here who have even brought your kids, and it's even late. And, and you, you're, you believe that God has a miracle for you. And we're standing with you. We're so privileged to be here with you guys. Because we know that there's hungry people here. And God wants to touch your family in a radical way. I believe that your hearts are to be an altar that are so set on fire that everywhere you go, you spread the fire of God. You know, there's this little girl, I read revival stories, there's this little girl in Ireland who stood up one day in church and she said, I love Jesus with all my heart. And the shockwave of that statement left everybody, and nobody could stand. The power of God hit everybody, and they all fell on their faces because the pure innocence of this 11-year-old girl standing up and saying, I love Jesus with all my heart, sent out a shockwave that even a mile away, a farmer who was in his field fell under the power of God. I read this book about the kids of Azusa. In Azusa Street, they would play in the glory cloud. The glory cloud would come in the church, and the kids would play hide and seek in the glory cloud, you guys. What I'm why am I telling you this is because revival is an inheritance for your children. Your children can be raised in revival. God told me a promise. He said, TJ, you can live in revival for the rest of your life if you want to. It's a choice. And so right now, if you want, if you're here with your family or if you're not, but you're believing for family revival, I want you to come to the front. Come quickly. Because I feel the anointing. I feel the fire of God in this place. I want you to crowd. This is not about a man laying hands on you. This is about coming before heaven and saying, God, set my family on fire. Set my heart on fire right now. And if you're with your family, I want you to hold your hand, hold the hand of your wife, hold the hands of your children, get around them and right now. And so I just, just begin right now, Father God, just get your hands out right now because I believe God is making your heart an altar. Some of you are standing in faith right now for your prodigal sons, your daughters, somebody, somebody's husband is not saved, somebody's wife. Father God, we're believing today is the day of family revival. Come on. Just begin praying in the spirit right now. Just see your hearts begin to be lit up. God, would you come and fan the flame again in this place right now? Thank you, Jesus. God, we just pray that you would fan the flame of revival in family. Troy and, and Sammy, could I have your help? 
Pastor Hayward, would you mind coming and helping me here at the front? These are men who I believe are good fathers. Thank you, Jesus. And I believe there's a father's, the father's blessing right now is here. And I'm, Troy, I'm going to get you to pray. Pastor Howard, I'm going to get you to pray over these people because I'm believing, Sammy, I'm going to get you to pray that there's family revivals. And as fathers, as heads of the household, there's an authority that we have for revival in our home. As for me and my household, guys, I found that scripture in the Bible. And, I'm, and that promise is true for you and it's true for me. As for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. Amen? Come on. Right now, God, I just thank you for the fire of God to begin to touch people right now. Would you fan the flame of revival in people's lives right now? Lord, will you come and touch? Pastor Hayward, would you begin just to pray over? Precious Lord, hallelujah, hallelujah, Lord. Hallelujah. Father, we just want to thank you, Lord, that you're interested in your people. You're interested in your church, oh God. And, Lord, you want to touch us, oh, God. Lord, you want to touch our families. You want to touch our sons and our daughters. You want to touch husbands and wives. You want to fill us with your Holy Spirit and help us to be men and women, Lord, who will prophesy good things, oh, God. Prophesy the things that God is speaking into our hearts and into our lives. Lord, I just pray right now, Lord, that your Holy Spirit will blow through this place, oh God, that every hungry, thirsty soul will be filled with the mighty power of God. In your mighty name, Lord, in your mighty name. Wow, Father God, we just lift you up and exalt your holy name in this place. I thank you, God, that you have a call on each and every person here, and God, that you love them so much, and there's a place, there's a level of intimacy that they can come into with you, Father, where, God, you just want to rock them, you want to change them, you want to know, let them know why they were created, the purposes they were created for, and I just pray tonight, Father God, that you would reach out and touch the hearts of the people, and I challenge the people, open your hearts tonight and allow the Lord to touch you, allow him to move in power and touch your hearts, because tonight, God is saying, I want to show you that I'm your father, and I want to release my love and my presence over your life in the name of Jesus. Glory to you, Father. Come on, why don't we just lift up our hands? I, I feel this right now, and it's, it's the, the blessing that comes out of Joshua. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And Lord, I thank you right now that you are releasing right now. We will serve the Lord. We speak to our families. We will serve the Lord. We speak to our kids. We thank you that they will serve the Lord right now in Jesus' name. And Father, we thank you that families in Cold Lake are burning for Jesus. Right now, Lord, we thank you. There it is right now. There's a revival fire God's releasing right now over you for your family family, for your kids, for your relatives. God, we release that family revival right now. It's the promise for Canada. It's the promise. It's Isaiah 60 that the Lord is releasing family revival in Jesus' name. Whoa. So, Lord, we just release that fire right now in Jesus' name. Lord, we say that our families are going to be burning, shining lamps, God. We say that our families are going to be light in the darkness, God. That our families, our children, are going to be arrows shot out by the Lord in this time in Jesus' name. Okay, on the count of three, we're going to just shout out, we're going to cry out for the fire of God that our living room would become an altar of fire. Our living room, our homes would become...
become a revival center that when people walk into our homes, they're going to feel the fire of God, that you are going to be a pillar of fire everywhere you go, that you and your children are going to be baptized with a fresh baptism of fire. On the count of three, I just want you to cry out for the fire. One, two, three, fire! Fire, 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 God, fire. We hope you've been blessed by this teaching from Coley Community Church. Thank you for your continued support of this ministry. Holy Community Church, a place where families come together.